0: Episode 229 of Speaking of Mysteries. I'm Nancy Clare, and I'm thrilled that Alison Galen is making a return visit to the podcast to talk about her new suspense novel, The Collective. So thank you so much, Alison, for doing this. Well, thank you for having me. First, I have to begin with a confession of more than mild insecurity. As part of your launch for this novel, on its pub day, November 2nd at 8pm Eastern Daylight Time, you're having a conversation with Laura Lipman Yeah, in a true. benefit for the Center for Fiction. And that is a crime fiction dream team, if ever there was one, and just makes me nervous that <laughs> she's well, going to be agree. interviewing you
1: too. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm very excited to be speaking with Laura and I'm very excited to be speaking with you. Um, I also wanted to say that um, for the event that's on the second, there are also uh, participating bookstores, uh, Murder by the Book, Warwick's, and uh, Northshire Books and Saratoga Springs, uh, as well as the Center for Fiction. So uh, it's gonna be a great event, but this is gonna be a great event too, just talking with you. Well, I am actually
0: uh, about to buy my ticket. And uh, I, because uh, I'm just a glutton for uh, murder mysteries and for you and Laura. So there you go. Great. Um, I'm I'm eternally intrigued with epigraphs, you know, why a writer picks a particular one. And the one you begin the collective with is a doozy. Hate is a bottomless cup. I will pour and pour, and that's from Medea by Euripides, I mean, the classics, and then some, and it's not just a doozy, but it sets up the collective perfectly, so did you have this quote in mind from the
1: get-go? I actually, I happened across it when I was sort of first writing the book, and uh, I, you know, I had of course read Medea in, in college as a, as a theater major a million years ago. Um, and But I had sort of forgotten about it, but I did happen upon it when I was writing the book and I thought, wow, this is perfect. Um, the, the the nature of hate being a bottomless cup, of it being so all-consuming that it can sort of take you over and lead you to do just really heinous things, which in Medea's case, uh, you know, was killing her children. And in um, my main character's case is being so consumed uh, with hate for the person who did kill her child that it leads her to just just. Want to do the worst, and uh, it consumes her entire life. Uh, so, yeah, I um, I was really glad to have found that quote because I really do feel that it sets up that sort of the tone of the book. And um, interestingly enough, even though Medea's actions were sort of completely opposite to um, our characters, sort of the the theme of it in a way. Uh, it's it's all about both are all about female rage, aren't they? <laughs> So inside the collective, uh, as I was
0: reading it, it's it's a Venn diagram of the intersection of grief, anger and vengeance and all the havoc that common ground can cause. And the novel opens five years after the death of your protagonist, Camille Gardner's daughter. And Camille attends a ceremony where the young man she feels is responsible Uh, for her daughter's death is receiving an award, like a humanitarian award of all things. And she wigs out to put it mildly and the rampage is caught on camera as these things always are and posted to social media. But not long after she's approached by a woman who slips her card and it's an invitation of sorts to a forum where other women who have lost loved ones Uh, and uh, stood by to see their murderers elude justice uh, gather. So is that sort of a good way to describe uh, the collective without uh, tipping our hands?
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. It's um, sort of the world's darkest support group um, (laughs) that she's invited to. Uh, Yes, and that's absolutely true. That is um, definitely how it starts out and um, sort of how she uh, gets into this sort of, uh, this group of people that at first kind of energizes her as one always feels energized when we find like minds, but a bunch of like minds, feeling that same type of hate can also be a very dangerous thing. Um, so, yes.
0: <laughs> One question I have to ask, and it's it's on the personal side, so uh, if, you want, if you end up wanting to skip it, that's okay. You are the mother of a daughter. I'm also the mother of a daughter. And while I know the collective is fiction, you had to live with these characters and their lives and what they were doing. And this cannot have been an easy relationship. So can you talk about how you lived with these
1: people, these angry people? It was really difficult. And a a lot of it was also written during the pandemic when we were all sort of feeling angry and confused and powerless. So a lot of anger kind of went into the writing of the book. It's interesting that you mentioned my daughter because she read that book. And I think it might be my first book I wrote one young adult book that she read but um she's 20 years old now and she read that book start to finish and she really loved it but she was also very uh you know disturbed by it um so yeah it was really really difficult for me to write and in order I, I really um a lot of times when I'm writing, you know, I I sort of take my own emotions and the way they might be, and I like magnify them. And so um, I really tried to make the situation as real as possible and the character of the daughter as real as possible. And so she had some, not a lot, but some similarities to my daughter, like she's like the same band when she was you know, that, that age and, you know, things, just little things like that, that really freaked my daughter out when she read it. (laughs) Uh, she was a different character in a lot of other ways, but anyway, yeah, it was very, very, uh, difficult and very kind of consuming, um, in a way that my other books might be consuming to a degree, but weren't quite as much. It was, it was sort of the most, in a lot of ways, the most difficult book. That I've ever written. Um, so yeah, it was it was a challenge. And then again, writing it during the pandemic, there weren't a lot of sort of outlets and escapes. You know, I was just kind of trapped at home with these characters. Uh, so it was quite a recipe for a lot of, you know, difficult emotions. Well, I'm wondering if uh, because I've spoken to a number
0: of writers in 2021 who wrote their books during the pandemic and i'm wondering if in 20 years we're not going to see a college course i probably won't be here to see it but a college course along the lines of fiction during the pandemic the dark wave
1: yes oh definitely i mean it's it's very interesting i mean um you know pardon the pun there was a lot of you know collective uh, you know, uh, fear and anger and, and powerlessness and everything. And then also there were, you know, there was all so much discussion going on of how much of this thing do, are we gonna put in our books? Do we wanna put any of it in our books? Don't it Doesn't everybody want to escape this? Well, is it the kiss of death for a book to be set during the pandemic? You know, there was, there was all that going on as well. Um, my book, you know, is set in literally like the month right before um, the pandemic the lockdown happened. So uh, I kind of avoided it that way, but I do, I, I would be really interested to see in 20 years, if there's been, you know, if there was, there were a lot of very angry books (laughs) being written during this time that, you know, and uh, more angry books than, than in previous times, I I would love to know.
0: I spoke to Val McDermott uh, about her, her, her previous book, the title is "Escaping," Me, and it ends just as the pandemic is starting, just as the lockdown is starting. And then, so her most recent book, of course, she's set in the past. Yes,
1: 1979.
0: 1979. <laughs> Good so, for her. Obviously, uh, I didn't get an opportunity to talk to her about the, that book this time around, but I could guess that that she probably sat there and said, "I've got tons of time to write." Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think I'll just go back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of vengeance is as old as civilization and, and was codified, you know, sort of eye for an eye justice, you know, as far back as the Sumerians that Hammurabi's code. So what these women, what these women want, you know, which is vengeance for those who were taken from them is completely understandable. In fact, readers might find themselves nodding in agreement. And so, First of all, that's as a credit to you as a writer to make these women sympathetic, but also what does that say about us? Not just women, but readers in general.
1: Yeah, um, I think there is just that feeling there. There's nothing that's, um, I mean, there's a reason why we have a justice system and why there are penalties and why so many people might be for theoretically for the death penalty or for, you know, life in prison or whatever, because you want to see people pay for doing something so horrible to you. It's a, just a very basic uh, human need. And I think that's where Hammurabi's code came from, too. It, it's sort of, you know, enables you to sort of move on a little bit if you are able to see the person pay in some way for wronging you um, you for making you feel as horrible as that person might. So I, I think it's a, just a very, you know, human instinct. And it's interesting, um, I, I've been asked in other interviews, you know, do do you do you believe, do you think this is right? Um, do you think her emotions are right? Or do you think these feelings are right, wanting that justice? And I don't, I don't know whether they're right or not, but I do know that they're human, and I do know that I've felt that way, and that everybody's felt that way. And you know, we're not we're not godlike creatures. We we are hurt, and when we are injured, we get angry, and we want we want something done to 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 ease that anger. You know, that that bottomless cup of hate that you might be pouring from. So um, yeah, I think that um, I, I think that these. That these emotions are very real and, um, and it's the, the, what I tried to kind of touch on in the book is how easy it is to be completely consumed by them and to come and to devote your life to that. And then when it happens, when you get that revenge or justice, are things better? You know, does it bring your, your child back? Does it, does it make your life better in any way? You know, does it? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's, it is something that I wanted to explore.
0: And of course, part of the equation of these women who are angry and hurt and in, in tremendous pain is is the frustration that they feel that the perpetrators of this hurt who have taken the loved ones from them aren't paying. They're getting a walk. Yes. Like Camille's Uh, the young man who was responsible for the death of Camille's daughter who sexually abused her and left her to die. This is not a spoiler. This is sort of pretty
1: early on. Yes, pretty early
0: on. Um, He gets awards. He gets to go on to college. He gets to go on to have a life. And, you know, I thought that was uh, intrinsic to what to what was building in this group. Um, was this frustration uh, that there is in, there is unequal justice?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, so much of the justice that is meted out there um, has to do with whether you can afford an expensive lawyer, or you know, whether you're a power, a more powerful person, or you know, whether you're, um, you know, in a, whether you're in a position of power versus the people who might be related to the victim. Um, and there's so many cases like that that are that exist in the world. And there's so many mothers out there that have lost children children. Uh, to people who went unpunished, you know whether uh, as I mentioned in the book, whether it's the doctor who you know commits malpractice and but he's you know sort of wealthy enough or or in power enough to you know just get a slap on the wrist if that, you know or if it's the the drunk driver that happens to be a successful wealthy person or you know what I'm saying or the or um, there are all sorts of crimes uh, you know among our uh, class system uh, and 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 uh, race system and and everything else that come out drastically um, unfair to the victim and the victim's families and so. It's interesting to me, like the women in this group that I envision are from very, very different backgrounds and were wronged for very, very different reasons. But this fact that they were wrong kind of bonds them across geographical boundaries and class boundaries and you know racial or ethnic boundaries. Everything kind of joins, the, the thing that joins them together is they've all been, feel that they've been treated tremendously unfairly by the system you you touched on this but what also occurred to me when i was reading the book
0: and it is such a compelling read it really is a you can't put it down read uh, was how violence and especially violence against women radiates out and and it compounds and the lust for revenge turns in on itself and it does become a very media-esque bottomless cup of hate that just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing and i thought you did sort of a wonderful job of constructing that as as one of the through lines of the book and and so I wanted once again that that must have been a hard uh thing to live with as you were writing because you're not you're such a nice person you're so full of (laughs)
1: love and Well, I think we all are nice people we all want to be nice people and I and we do want to like you know be forgiving and wonderful and uh, this is another thing that's so painful is um it turns you into a person that can't forgive and that's consumed by hate and most people don't want to be that person you know uh so I think that you know might have something to do with it as well um yeah there's uh could you ask me that question one more time? Sure, it's, right
0: it's, it's not really a question. It's just the idea of how revenge and hatred and all of these, you know, I, for want of a better term, sort of negative feelings, feelings that it, our better angels don't want us to feel. Yes, They yes. turn okay. in on, on themselves and they compound and they expand and they roll out. And it just, it, it's almost like... Uh, it becomes this widening gyre that you you can't escape, and yes. th- that to me is one of the things that seem to ha- we really only get into the head of Camille, mm-hmm. and it seems like that's she's not getting better even after five years, even after the meltdown.
1: Yes, one of the things that I, I really wanted to look into in the book is that when whenever you suffer any type of grief, but especially you know something a grief that is kind of incurable which would be the loss of a child having your child taken from you having your child killed in some way um, is that people really want you to move on they want you to forgive you're encouraged to forgive especially i think that happens with women um you know i think they're you know a, a man can become a john walsh where he you know devotes his entire life to um you know finding uh people who kill children or or, um, or uh, Polly Platt's father, I, I, think, I think there might be a little bit more sort of acceptance of um, a man letting this sort of maybe consume them. But with women, it, we, we really get told for a lot of things, for any kind of pain, we're told to move on from it and be strong and forgive. And I think that's what upsets Camille so much. She doesn't, why should she move on? She doesn't want to move on. And none of these women want to move on. And that's one sort of, one of the few kind of rules of the collective is um, talking about moving on is not, uh, that's not included in this group. You know, you're, you're not allowed to talk about moving on. You're not allowed to talk about forgiveness. We're not interested in forgiveness. We don't have to, why should we be expected to forgive? So, um, so that is the thing that kind of feeds on each other because you've got a whole bunch of people feeling that way Uh, and uh, it's all anonymous, and it's all online. And you you can say whatever horrible thing you want to, and it feeds into everybody else's horrible feelings. And, and when that happens, it grows. I mean, I think we see this actually happen with a lot of online uh, groups that uh, share the same sort of anger and hatred, it, it can be weaponized, it can increase, and it can become extremely dangerous. You know, there's, I think there's a line in the book, too, you know, there's, there's, uh, there may be safety in numbers, but there's also power. There's danger, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in, in numbers. So I, I think, I think the, the, the amount of people in this group feed on each other and that, and they increase those feelings, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. That's, that, that was, that's what occurred to me that Camille on her own was just Camille on her own um, self-medicating and, and grieving and pushing people away and barely uh, maintaining her business as a web designer. Uh, She, you know, she's a mess, Mm -hmm. but she's a mess by herself. Yes, exactly. And how we communicate with, with each other. I've noticed my observation is, has been a through line in your past few novels. And so if I die tonight, social media played a prominent role and never Look back centered around a podcaster, which of course I thought was fabulous. Yeah, of course. (laughs) The collective dives into the dark web. So I I would imagine that the research might've been unsettling. So I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that.
1: Okay. Well, I did not go on to the dark web. I did uh, speak to a security web uh, expert, uh, Josh Mullen, that I, that I speak to frequently um, for all of my sort of techie online uh, stuff. So I kind of figured out from him how the dark web works. Uh, but uh, since the dark web uh, is sort of an anything goes kind of place, I invented this site. So I didn't have to go on there. I did, however, go on to some of these sort of hate um, message boards like, you know, 4chan, 8chan, things like that. And I couldn't stay on them for very long. I found them incredibly upsetting because they are forums in which anything goes and you can just say the most horrible things. And, um, it, it, and, and again, people who post on these boards kind of feed on each other and they lose perspective as to what's okay and what's not okay because they've got Kind of a Greek chorus going along with them. So um, that was a little bit of the inspiration in a way for this group. But, um, but the, uh, the dark web, I, I didn't go on the dark web.
0: <laughs> and of course, as you mentioned, <clears throat> if you can say something bad, if you, if you, if you, we ha, we seem to have this environment of, of entitlement and permission to say terrible things. And if for some, maybe even many, If they can say it, they will. And that, that to me is also sort of at the core of of this book. These, these women have found a place, as you said, people are telling them to move on and feel better and get on with it and any number of things. And they're, um, first of all, they're resisting and they're saying no. And in this place, and we should also mention that, like Fight Club, one of the rules of the collective is you don't talk about the collective. Yes, <laughs> um, that they can do this, and and that's that I think is kind of a uniquely twenty first century thing.
1: Yes, yes, and it's completely anonymous. All the women are just um, they're known by a set of numbers, um, and there's no there are no photographic images, and you really don't know. You're not, they don't name their children. They don't name, you know, they're, it's all anonymous. And yet they know the deepest feelings that they have. So there's this weird connection, I think. And I think that's the case in a lot of these online groups. You may, may have never met any of these people in person but depending what the group is you're confessing things to them that you might not confess to your own spouse or, you know, your loved ones, uh, because there's this, there's this strange bond, you know, you're bonding just over these very deep emotions without really knowing who you are, at least on the outside and, and your name. So I think the anonymity too, you know, is there's, there's some freedom in that or propulsion. Yeah, exactly. Propulsion, you know, um, I don't know. Somebody asked me like what, you know, what what people should take away from the group. And, you know, there's always, oh, there's a thin line between justice and and revenge. But also it's beware large groups of like minded individuals. (laughs) It is it is a little bit of a mirror, uh,
0: you know, through through a glass darkly for everything that's or for many things I should say about everything. That is going on now. That's perpetuation of uh, the feelings of like-minded people. Um, in this, in this case, it's it's uh, like-minded people who are sh- share a tragedy. And I mean that that alone is something that is makes Camille very, very sympathetic. Especially if you're a parent, it's it's um, you know as you said, this is a parent's worst nightmare, absolutely worst nightmare, mm-hmm. and s- specifically for women. Yes. Because they're, they're not really allowed to become a John Walsh um, and go out there and seek justice. On that light note, what are you working on now? Now that we can actually go out, go have a coffee, at least go have a coffee, maybe even go out to dinner, have a glass of wine, something like that. Uh, I'm assuming you're close to pushing the send button if you haven't already on your next book.
1: Well, I'm not close to pushing the send button on it, but I am working on it. <laughs> um, it's uh, the working title of it is The Target, but that's, again, I always have working titles. So I don't, I don't know what the final book will be called, um, but it's about a, a you know, a, a basically sort of a, 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 no, a normal um, woman who becomes uh, the target of sort of an, um, of a um, online kind of gaslighting, uh, tying her to a decades old, um, uh, overdose, um, killing of, uh, an actor in, in Hollywood. And she used to be an actress years ago. Um, and now she's, you know, basically a normal mom. So, um, it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so a little bit of a flip of the collective in a way, as this is a person who is being targeted by people she doesn't know. Um, but also, uh, she's, she, it was a rough time for her back then and she begins to think maybe i'm not being gaslighted maybe i really did do this so that's which of course was. is the is the true goal of gaslighting exactly yes <laughs> so gaslighting the all the fun of gaslighting
0: <laughs> and also uh, another dark reflection of some of the things that um, might be going on now as far as targeting people for being on school boards or uh, something they may have done or said or, you know, when they were young and stupid. (laughs) Um, So thank you again, Allison, for taking the time to talk to me about the collective and talk to our listeners about the collective. It's it's it. It's hard to talk about without introducing spoilers. And yet it is unique and amazing. And uh, in in many ways, although the stories are completely different, reminded me of the plot.
1: Mm. Interesting, very interesting.
0: And it's sort of where it goes, the unexpected places that it goes. So, uh, and and since that was one of my favorite books now, joined
1: by the collective. Oh, um, thank you. Uh, Yeah, kind of the unexpected things we discover about ourselves that might not necessarily be welcome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I look forward to talking to you about the target or whatever right. it should be called, or whatever it ends
1: up being called,
0: right? When when it's uh, when it's published and have a wonderful time talking to Laura Lipman. Um mm-hmm. That I can't wait for. That will be amazing, and uh, I hope all goes well with this book. Do you, are you going to get? Uh, this as I'm rambling, but are you going to? uh
1: get to go on a real book tour with this even a limited one well i'm just i have just really one in-person appearance in my hometown on november 5th um in woodstock new york Uh, i'm doing an event with wendy Corsi Staub um for the um for the golden notebook bookstore which is my all-time favorite bookstore in my home, my town of Woodstock. So uh, I'm I'm going to be doing that. Uh, the rest of um, the events I'm doing are gonna be online, uh, at least for now, you know, maybe something will pop up within the next couple of months and it'll be easier to, to make some in-person appearances. Um, I also did wanna say though, that the Collective has been optioned for TV, so- um, Oh, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, So, yeah, so congratulations well, on that too. Hopefully that'll happen. It's a great company, Yellowbird UK, which did the Millennium Trilogy and um, and they did uh, Young Wallander, the TV series. So they're really great with thrillers and they're very, very smart people. So I have very high hopes uh, that it will actually come to fruition, um, crossing, crossing everything about it, but it's very exciting nonetheless. And it, I, I think
0: uh, once people read it, they will understand it lends itself to uh, being a live
1: action. So congratulations, I, so.
0: <laughs> I mean, that'll be amazing. And I'll look for uh, pictures of you on the red carpet. At the oh, panel. yes, exactly. <laughs> well, as I said, thanks again, and um, good luck with the book and good luck with talking to Laura and good luck with, your, with everything because you are a marvelous writer.
1: Thank you so much, Nancy. I always love talking to you and I love your podcast. So thank you so much.